Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. A quick heads up before we get started. There is a little light swearing in this episode. Okay. Here's the show. Are you a Reddit dude? (laughs) Do I have to admit it? Yes, I am. I'm secretly a Reddit person. That's reporter Mike Isaac, who writes about tech for The New York Times, and whose Reddit life, sorry Mike, is no longer secret. I kind of was thinking maybe you were. What, What subreddits do you hang out on? I have like multiple accounts because I have like a work account and then I have a secret account because I don't want people to actually know when I'm talking. And then I have like, a, I think I had like a book promotion account. But so anyway, I try to keep track of them, but um, mostly for fun, for pleasure. I hang out and like ask me anything or the, the child free subreddit for people <laughs> complaining about children. <laughs> Or, uh, which is insane, or, um, I don't know if I can say this on the air, am I the asshole subreddit, basically, which is like... That's a very good one. Yeah, people explaining messed up situations, and then like cooking and um, boring stuff like that. And power washing, actually. Power washing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People post like pictures of their dirty driveways, and then like an after picture or video of them power washing it. It's super cool. (laughs) And I don't have a power washer, so it's more aspirational. I just want to go on the record here and say that these videos are pretty incredible and make me also want a power washer. Anyway, I'm asking Mike about his Reddit habits because he recently wrote a story that fascinated me about the idea that AI models like ChatGPT have been using Reddit to learn how to sound human. On the one hand, Reddit can be the internet's unfiltered id, So the idea that big companies like Microsoft and Google are learning from it is darkly funny. If you know the culture of Reddit, super weird, super jokey, very insular. But at the same time, it is, you know, more than 50 million people come there every day to talk to each other, essentially. It's one of the biggest text-based, primarily text-based forums on the internet where people still go and post messages and have conversations that frankly, are are just how these intelligent or, you know, artificially intelligent systems figure out how humans talk to one another. Reddit realized that being an AI training ground is valuable. All that data, the conversations about power washing and the best way to sous vide and whether or not you are an asshole at your sister's wedding, is worth money. And Reddit has decided to start charging big tech for it. Today on the show... It might seem like a small change, but it could signal a dark future for the open internet. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. 
That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. First things first, I want to do some definitions because it's important that you understand what an API is. It stands for Application Programming Interface. If you're a tech person, you already know this. But if not, you can think of an API as a company's door to the outside to let other people in to access their information. APIs allow companies to integrate their products on top of each other's data, and they're a crucial part of the free and open internet. And really, most modern platforms have APIs because the idea of being a successful platform is to get people to build things on top of it. And if other people build things, that means uh, you can attract more people to use the platform. It's kind of like kickstarting a cycle. But the API is really the sort of keyhole entryway for other people to build on top of it. And, you know, it gets complicated, but there are different levels of um, strictness and how open, quote unquote, open an API is and whether you have to charge for it. But that's basically like the entryway is what I'd say. Why is that valuable if you're if you're trying to train something like chat GPT or a similar large language model? Companies like OpenAI, ChatGPT, uh, Google's Bard, which is another sort of intelligent uh, AI system, they need two things in order to work and succeed and thrive, essentially, and become better. One is computing power, and that's a hardware problem, which is buy up as many or rent as many servers of graphics cards, basically, the stuff that NVIDIA buys, GPUs or what they're called. And uh, the other is data, basically. And they just need enormous amounts of data sucked up to understand the world around us, basically. Like what a computer is only as smart as the information it has access to. And it's interesting because we're in this period where, let's say the open, open-ish web existed for much of the internet's life and people would sort of create web pages and let them flourish. They're just hanging out out there. You know, like your uh, GeoCities back in the day where you posted your, you know, selfies, if that, I don't even know if selfies was a word back then, but where you posted those or you posted your diet, I posted my, you know, emo blog entries on LiveJournal, all that stuff is out there. And AI wants it because that's how they learn about what it means to be a human, what it means to be a 13 year old blogging about your breakup or what it means to be uh, a gearhead talking about a Ford Bronco on a forum somewhere, right? And the more data, the better. And there's, you know, frankly, there's never enough data for these systems because mm-hmm. as I was getting back to before, the world is constantly changing, language is changing, context is changing. And so, it, you know, it's not really a one and done thing where, okay, I downloaded the internet and now we're done. It's, I think it's just going to be constant. Give me more, more, more. Before I came in here to talk to you, I was reading a Washington Post article that looked at Google's C4 data set, which is used to train a lot of uh, large language models. And it referenced, you know, what it was training off of. Wikipedia, um, a bunch of news articles, a bunch of copyrighted material. I, I wonder if, like, if that gives you some insight or gives gives the, the listener some insight into, like, what these large language models value, like, what they 
key off of when they're trying to um, become more human sounding? Wikipedia is a great example because it's one of the largest corpuses of information on the internet, however imperfect, you know, and also maintained by people like you and I and sort of updated constantly. So not quote unquote, like official set in stone information, but good enough, let's say, for large language models to train on. And one, it's just valuable for people like you and me to like look up things, right? Like (laughs) as reporters trying to pretend that we know what we're talking about sometimes, I'm like, all right, what's Wikipedia say about this thing I got to talk about? And it's super valuable and it's free. And uh, these are hardcore web people who believe uh, back in the earliest days of the web that this information should be free, you know, and you you can donate to Wikipedia, which is their you know model to keep it free, which is changing over time. And, and really this um, sort of moment with Reddit is another sort of process in that like change as data sets that were once open and sort of beckoning for people to come in and and read them and whatever, the people who at least oversee them, if not own them, are starting to say, hey, companies like Google or places like OpenAI with ChatGPT or other smaller startups are taking all that data, vacuuming it up, and then becoming super valuable themselves without really giving anything back to us. And that's not fair. Researchers who were interested in the data for non-commercial purposes will still have free access, according to Mike's reporting. But those companies using it for AI will have to pay. What makes Reddit so valuable is that it's both an encyclopedic compendium of knowledge and also a place where people talk like people with humor and subtlety and all the things that an actual encyclopedia doesn't have, which makes it a great place to train a large language model like ChatGPT. Reddit was, uh, was and is, but really before, you know, the past few days, was one of the few remaining, let's say, open social networks that allowed uh, places like Google or Bing, Microsoft Bing to crawl them, which is essentially send their sort of little robots across every single web page uh, that Reddit has and index that information and be able to sort of deliver it up in search results, right? So that's sort of Google absorbing it into its knowledge. There's value in that just in in being able to direct people to it. But the new value in the context of of AI is being able to sort of parse what people mean by when they answer a question, you know, what um, irony even is and how to sort of decipher irony. Irony is very difficult for computers to sort of grasp, you know, and like telling a joke that isn't a knock-knock joke that is nuanced, that's that's feels very human in a way that is difficult, I think, for, for systems to sort of learn over time. And if you have examples of that, that, you know, Wikipedia isn't really an ironic source of information. So if you have examples of humor or um, debate or whatever, uh, I think there's there's absolutely sort of value in sort of semantic nuance that is hard for computers to learn. Now, I think the, the, the other thing is like, well, how, how valuable is that if, if all the people on Reddit are this certain type of monoculture? But I still think there's enough random folks that use it, despite Reddit's sort of reputation for like super hardcore computer dudes, um, that it, there's value in, in the data set for sure. 
You talked to Reddit's CEO, and I, I wonder what he told you about why he thinks LLMs want this data, but but also like what their corporate process was and thinking through like, all right, you're you're a great big company. You're gonna you're gonna pay us for what we're giving you. <laughs> totally. Well, so yeah, Steve Huffman, Reddit CEO, founder. This company's been around for almost 20 years now. Reddit also really was founded on sort of these open web principles, to be honest. Like they were very super against advertising in the beginning, super against really even monetizing their site beyond like um, user donations or e-commerce or like very, very much against the types of ad models that say Google or Facebook kind of really leaned into. That has changed over time as they've grown bigger, as they've raised tons of money, as they have to deploy a lot of money to keep this thing going. And as they've sort of figured out that one of the main models of making money on the internet is still digital advertising that works these companies. So they are, you know, 20 years in, they're um, gearing up basically to go public. And they were trying to go public last year. The market obviously sort of took a hard turn and interest rates sort of spiked and the stocks went crazy and they basically saw this window closing and a mm-hmm. lot of startups in their class, uh, like let's say Stripe or other companies who have been around for a while and waiting to go public were basically like, uh, we can't go public. We need to sort of wait till the market is better. But in the process of going public, you basically have to have a good story to tell your investors and and look at your business, look at your company and say, what do we have of value here that we can sort of use to our best ability? And one thing that they started realizing as the f- real fervor for AI has come on in the past six to nine months that people sort of woken up to is like, oh God, there these, these, these data sets that we have are very valuable. And for a long time, we haven't really capitalized on that. When we come back, if only rich companies can buy data, where does that leave the internet? First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. So I think that you could think about your story as like this slightly nerdy thing that's happening between some companies. Or you could think of it as like a potential inflection point, because as Silicon Valley is consumed by kind of AI mania, suddenly it feels like these APIs are more of a monetizable thing, that that maybe the sort of, oh, we were all operating on a data for advertising business model is shifting. Like, do you think it's fair to think about this as an inflection point? You know, one thing that Steve Huffman, the CEO of Reddit, was talking about was his theory is perhaps by the end of the year, or at least within a short window of time, 
a lot of the models themselves or the algorithms themselves, which uh, many of which are sort of out there and open sourced for folks to kind of use and play with, including at OpenAI, will actually kind of be less valuable in the sense that they will look very similar. Perhaps those become different types of commoditized products that anyone can use. And the data sets themselves will go up behind walls and actually be valuable. And huh. so, you know, obviously he's talking his book there because he's a, an owner of a large data set. But if you look at what do these models need, what these um, language models need to learn, one of those is data, the other is compute. Compute is, is an easier problem to solve because it just takes capital to buy up either processors on your own or rent them. But who has that open data still. And I, my guess is they made this move. Twitter and Elon, uh, if you look at them, they recently also sort of yes. closed down their API. Elon saw the Reddit announcement and said they're right to do it, basically. And so anyone with... I think there will increasingly be more sort of companies looking at taking stock of what they have and saying, how is this valuable and how can we start charging for it, essentially? Yeah, I was wondering if there are others that you were thinking of that are like potentially in the hopper. I'm very curious to what Wikipedia does. I mean, Jimmy Wales and Wikipedia, super, again, probably the most hardcore open web believers left, honestly, like in a time where Google, Facebook, well, really Facebook and Apple uh, and even Microsoft, they're just sort of throwing up walls around what they have. And, and you know, look, that's like, that's a legitimate business philosophy to have. At the same time, there are people who are sort of bemoaning the death of the open web, which the internet was founded upon, and I think is totally legitimate as well. And so are you essentially leaving behind your competitive advantage uh, if you continue to believe in this really idealistic cause for why you might have gotten into um, technology in the first place. If the other places that have big sets of free data start charging for it, does that turn the sprawling open internet into something smaller, more insular, and more expensive? I'm, I'm curious what Wikipedia does. I'm curious, you know, Shutterstock, which is another large repository of images, they have deals struck with OpenAI, and I believe they trained uh, DALI, which is the image generating thing, which yep. is super crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't have a ton of examples off the top of my head, but I'm like, okay, well, let's go down the list and see who's sitting on what out there, you know, does like, uh, does Getty <laughs> become more, you know, hmm. popular if they're just sitting on a giant sort of repository of imagery and, and still have like people in the physical world adding to that repository? Like, or, or, or I mean, the alternative is, really square off and like try to fight um, a lot of these companies in court over copyright if they're trying to already access this stuff or just get sit their lawyers on them and try to basically in, in, inhibit their, you know, their progress. And that's, a, that's entirely sort of valid too, because uh, again, the underlying point here is that a handful of companies are making billions of dollars or, you know, at least billions in dollars of investment on the, the backs of essentially of a lot of labor of a lot of people on the internet. And uh, that doesn't sit right with a lot of folks. Well, there's also the point, and I think that the journalist Derek Thompson made this point to you I saw on Twitter, which just mm. shows how like adult-pated my brain is. <laughs> I'm too online. Um, but this seems like it could further concentrate 
these kind of large language models at big companies yeah. and and among rich people because a you need the computing power which we've talked about which is expensive but if also the data is then behind you know a wall and you need to pay a lot of money for it mm-hmm. is it is it only google and microsoft who can do yeah. this no, no that's exactly what i would say is like google and microsoft still have the deep pockets to do it. It's funny, we're in this weird period in tech where I think all the big five companies have had their own rounds of layoffs now, including Apple, which was the longest holdout. So there's like a lot of real pain and what they consider overhiring going on in these companies. But at the same time, they're still really well positioned to capitalize on what I think is a a new wave of how tech is going to work. You know, I think the AI is actually going to be pretty revolutionary in how it's deployed, um, depending on what these companies do. But exactly to your point, like who has the money to either pay up for this data or pay for um, their own sort of computing centers uh, or even pay to rent um, rent GPUs that are being run by other companies um, because that will cost a lot as everyone wants to rent them. So those deep pockets are either already in the big co's or you get like a ton of like private VC investment. Um, but, but even that, it just takes a lot of money. Like OpenAI had like a 10, I want to say $10 billion investment from Microsoft and now they've sort of paired off. And so really the two big ones are Google and Microsoft. You alluded to this, but I just, I can't tell. Um, is this another kind of, stake in the heart of the open internet? I think so. I think it's funny. When I pitched this to my editor, um, I was like, oh God, they're going to think it's too nerdy. And it is very nerdy, but <laughs> it's hard to... My my dad read it and he was like, I think all of this went over his head, not over my head. But um, this is important stuff. It, it affects how the internet works now. It affects who has access to information and what is done with that information. And it affects like the next wave of of computing and how these systems are going to work and what they can put out there. You know, everyone's been playing with chat GPT and it does some crazy stuff. It does a lot of amazing stuff. It also has very serious limitations and um, makes things up and, and needs to continue sucking up data uh, in order to get better, essentially. I don't think these things are going away. And I also think that as everyone sees who the who's in the biggest advantage here or who has the biggest lead they have to sort of take stock of what they have and say what's our value proposition in this new world and how are we going to survive and that yeah like it is kind of sad to think that things that were once just sort of freely accessible and open may not be anymore and maybe more toll tollways or bridges or walls or whatever you want to call it are thrown up over time and it just looks like a very different internet than let's say 30 years ago Mike Isaac, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mike Isaac covers tech for The New York Times. And that is it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell. Our show is edited by Mia Armstrong-Lopez. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and we're also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. And if you are a fan of the show, 
the best way to show your support is to join Slate Plus. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. All right, we'll be back on Sunday with another episode about why your weather app sucks. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Dahlia Lithwick and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.